Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today we're going to abandon the uh, horrific southern divisions in the NFL and talk about the mighty AFC West. Uh, but before we get into that, Drew, catch up on some notable training camp news. The big one, uh, Joe Burrow straining his calf. A lot of Twitter doctors out and about. Uh, Achilles, ACL, he's dead. Uh, everything under the sun, he looks like he'll be okay for week one, uh, the line there is Bengals minus two and a half at Cleveland. If he's not going to go, then naturally Cleveland will be favoured. I suspect that would get above a field goal. Uh, Cleveland favoured. Does this change anything for you in regard to that game or any Bengals futures markets? Well, I mean, this was going to be the test, uh, a full season, you know, full preseason of workup where, you know, where you're going to get a sharper burrow out of the gate than we've seen in the last couple of years. And now that answer, that question is still no, (laughs) you know, very realistic uh, that even if he does play week one, you know, there's going to be some rust. There's going to be the lack of continuity with this new offensive line. And, um, you know, he's got perfect chemistry with all the skill position players so that's good obviously but um to me uh this is worth about six points where the line is sitting uh i have cincinnati favored by three a flat three um if uh, burrow is 100 percent, and i have uh browns favored by uh three but juice towards cleveland um if uh if this is burrowless um not a big trevor simian guy uh, so <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I would like to see a healthy Joe Burrow play 16, 17 games for the uh, for the Bengals this year. Um, and I think realistically, uh, you know, the chances that you're going to be able to scoop a better price on the Bengals than we currently uh, are looking at is real because you know I think I, I have a favor that you know have have some buzz about the Steelers getting off to a good start. The Browns certainly, but this particular game, Week One, uh, now being more of a coin toss, can get off to a better start uh and you know we know the ravens take the preseason extremely seriously jay i don't know if you knew that um they haven't lost in the preseason since like you know before you know you know when 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 football was all you know foot, fullbacks were getting drafted in the first round this is like the last time the ravens lost in the preseason um but that gives them an opportunity to come out of the gate pretty quickly as well so i think realistically that plus 150 for the bengals could drift uh, pretty aggressively independent of uh you know burrow being available as uh, the bengals may get off to a tougher start than uh, was expected Indeed. Yeah, to your point about Baltimore, uh, I saw that Bayern Munich played a preseason game against the non-league team a few days ago, and Bayern Munich, a soccer team, were up 18-0 at half-time. 
which I don't even know how that's possible. Surely enough time elapses pulling the ball out of the net, bringing it back to midfield. But uh, I do know that that is what Baltimore tend to do to teams in the preseason. Uh, let's go to Jalen Ramsey, who injured his knee and he'll undergo meniscus surgery out until December. Again, uh, varying reports on what the timeline will be, but certainly not going to be around uh, for the vast bulk of the season. Uh, the Dolphins, two and a half point dogs at the Chargers in week one. The total is 49 and a half. Don't love this for my Mike McDaniel coach of the year position, for my Jalen Phillips defensive player of the year, 200 to one long shot. Uh, they've got a brutal schedule. Uh, so this this doesn't help. Uh, what's your read on, on Ramsey and the Dolphins? Yeah, this is, uh, this is one player that they really couldn't have afforded to lose and not have their um, you know personnel rankings drop pretty appreciably. Uh, I had the Dolphins as a top five defense uh, on paper. I had the DB group as a, uh, a top 10 unit on paper, uh, taking Ramsey out of the mix now and backfilling with, uh, you know, the, some of the youth on that roster drops their defense to 14th for me and it drops their defensive backfield grade down to 20th. Uh, so Vic Fangio is going to have to come up with some magic uh, to make up for this absence because Ramsey matters a lot. Um, and this unit is kind of thin. So, um, yeah, they're going to be tested right out of the gate. Uh, Chargers bringing in, you know, every every um, uh, report from their training camp is how much they're airing it out and, you know, that they're going to try to strike down the field. Um, so you're going to have to get your guys ready for that in a hurry. And that said, though, I think the Dolphins are still alive in that game. Um, it's going to be more of an offensive shootout now than I thought, you know, kind of looking at the openers where it was around, total was around 50. I thought that was a little high. Uh, now I think 50 is probably pretty achievable. Um, and, uh, but you know, it's still a coin flip game. Dolphins win. I think they can, you know, still be in the conversation to, you know, take an early lead in an AFC East that, uh, is very, very competitive. Um, but this throws a lot of cold water on any optimism I had for the Dolphins. Indeed. And, uh, Eli Apple looks like he will be Jalen Ramsey's replacement, uh, just signed. So that's not ideal. I think the big thing there though is, uh, Xavier and Howard can bounce back to, you know, when he was a defensive player of the year type of candidate as opposed to last year, where I think he was hurt and playing hurt for a lot of the season. Uh, so that will mitigate a lot of the damage of Ramsey's absence if he can get back to form. Uh, Jonathan Taylor requested a trade from the Colts. It's just lit up Twitter like nothing in recent memory. Uh, it's funny, I interviewed Taylor uh, on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. He's one of the kind of nicest, most mild-mannered people you'll ever encounter. It's kind of difficult for me to imagine him getting upset at Mr. Ursay and demanding a trade. Uh, but that's where we are now. This doesn't look to be in a good spot, uh, I don't really know how this ends because Taylor doesn't seem to have a lot of leverage uh, given the just the way that contracts uh, and player control is structured in the NFL where now he's going to be missing paychecks if he's holding out. Who knows if he goes on the NFI uh, list and then even if he... If, he, if I don't know, like they're just going to franchise tag him for two years because that's how this stuff goes. So... Uh, I would guess that all the incentives kind of point towards Taylor being on the field early in the season for the Colts because I don't understand what his alternative is if he's just going to forfeit money and not accrue time. But, I mean, how do you think this ends? I think he reports at some point. Uh, I mean, I know he's on the pup, so he technically is. It's not a holdout necessarily, but... um... 
I think they mend fences and he plays, uh, but this is a bad skill position group as it is. <laughs> they can't, they can't really afford to, you know, let not get a, you know, something meaningful in return to, uh, to be able to evaluate your quarterback situation as you try to, you know, bring along a, a you know, a young player like Anthony Richardson. So um, yeah, I would expect that the Colts at some point have to find a way to mend this because going in right now, I have the Colts 24th right ranked as a skill position group, 27th uh, offense on paper. Um, and yeah, you take Jonathan Taylor out of the mix and you're now clearly bottom five. Um, so it's, uh, it's, this is tenuous for them. Um, I don't love the idea of Shane Steichen trying to, you know, kind of come up with an offensive plan that works out of the gate uh, in his absence because, you know, the, Backup Zach Moss, broken arm. He's going to be unavailable. Like you literally are talking about, you're going to be picking up one of the street free agents to try to uh, have a pretty important role uh, in a young offense that's trying to figure itself out. So I, this I think resolves positively for both parties ultimately. Um, but I think uh, uh, this is a very important one to watch. Yeah, and I think the other thing is just that Taylor wasn't himself last year at all. I think he was dealing with injuries really for the first time in his, in his life by all accounts. I think famously he'd never even missed a practice in his life uh, and then has the high ankle sprain that he tries to gut through and then just gets hurt and then just isn't on the field at the end of the season. And so, I mean, yeah, he is there. They're upside in a way on offense outside of obviously the quarterback position. But, I mean, this team last year, what got them by to approaching a level just below competence was their defense. And now the fact that, you know, they've lost Rodgers, they've lost Stefan Gilmore, the secondary is a mess. They'd have never had a pass rush to begin with. They get Shaq Leonard back. But, I mean, Taylor, the most important thing for this team is what Anthony Richardson is, including just for their success this year. Uh, but if Taylor is gone as well and Richardson isn't isn't ready, then this could potentially be the worst team in the league, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, that's, that's in play for yeah. them given their losses. All right, before we jump into the AFC West, a reminder that with the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. Go to nbcsports.com slash draft guide and use code draft2023 to save 20% at checkout. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. 
Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. AFC West preview. Start at the top. The Kansas City Chiefs, our reigning Super Bowl champion. Uh, never in doubt. Never in doubt that one. Uh, win total 11 and a half. <laughs> backed over 5-1 to one to have the most wins in the regular season. Minus 500 to make the playoffs, which is effectively a bet on Patrick Mahomes playing 12, 13 games. Uh, plus 300 to get the one seed. Heavy favourites, minus 165 to win the division mm-hmm. and 6-1 to one to repeat as champs. Uh, what do you think about the Chiefs as a regular season team? Yeah, so not ex- super excited to try to get involved with the Chiefs before we get to a little bit more clarity of what the playoff picture is going to look like. Um, as, as pro Patrick Mahomes, as pro Andy Reid as I am, as much as I really don't care who they're throwing the ball to or constructing that offense with because it doesn't seem to matter, the reality is this is a you know, top three offense in the NFL, largely because of Mahomes and Reid. Uh, and you have, potent, you know, you have a, a really, really strong interior offensive line. Um, some new tackles, which are a little bit of an int- intriguing question uh, about how that plays out, but nothing to suggest that the offense is going to take a step back. They have a relatively easy uh, schedule of opponent uh, opponent defenses this season, so this is going to be one of your top scoring teams in the NFL. Um, and I think what you saw from their playoff run last year, um, albeit much softer than some of the other potential AFC you know paths uh, by Jacksonville and. Uh, Cincinnati at home, uh, you know, it's, if if you get that type of road again, then you know, it, it, plus three fifty AFC is, uh, you know, is absurd value, and uh, six to one Super Bowl is is pretty lightly priced. But it's conditional entirely on getting the one seed. And uh, for what it's worth, the Chiefs. I'm not sure. I get the sense that they are really pushing all of their chips in the table week in week out, especially through the beginning part of the season, um, because for them. They need to, you know, they seem to take an approach where they want to evolve into their best version of themselves by the end of the season, particularly on the defensive side of the ball where Spagnolo plays the long game uh, in terms of his concepts, in terms of how he, um, you know, helps his players develop. And so I think uh, it's definitely worth exercising a little bit of patience with this team, uh, seeing, you know, letting they, they, I would guess, will let some of the other teams in the AFC take, take their best shots against them uh, and then use that film to, you know, continue continue to evolve as a program and as a you know philosophy as they get into the postseason just because that's what we've bets what we've been seeing um i think the likelihood that they win the afc west is high uh, i would put them as the third most likely uh divisional champ not because uh you know that i especially don't like the other teams in this division but they're just that much better um and uh you know my fair price for them to win the afc west is minus 180 so not a ton, enough value to get involved at minus 165 here for them to win the west but um you know i would expect them to have a home game the question is do they get the one seed uh because that's really where the equity swings in the afc for me this year in terms of championship potential Yes, uh, I think there's only one way to bet the Chiefs, and that's to bet on Mahomes to win MVP. Where if you like the Chiefs, frankly, if you don't like the Chiefs, I don't really care. Mahomes should be a heavy MVP favorite. Uh, he's plus six fifty on MGM. You can get plus seven hundred elsewhere. I think this is just Peyton Manning two where Mahomes should just until further notice, he should be plus two fifty to win MVP going into every season. Plus seven hundred means what? Like a 
market thinks he's like a 12, 13% chance to win MVP. There's just no universe in which Patrick Mahomes is less than a 15% chance to win MVP. He's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time or damn close. And if you look at what he's done, his first five seasons in the league as a starter, 2018 wins MVP going away. 2019, he gets hurt, misses a couple games. That takes him out. Uh, of the race 2020 he goes 14 and 1 finishes third in MVP 2021 was his down year or I think that was kind of the adjustment season where he finally had to to grapple with the fact that he couldn't just throw deep uh, to Tyreek Hill all the time and that forced him I think to become a bit more of a surgeon uh, and then wearing uh, the surgeon gear last year wins MVP going away so I just think that He's a one in three chance or thereabouts to win MVP every season. I think he is tier one by himself uh, at quarterback. And just when you look at that offense, you look at the relative continuity. Uh, I just think that that he is uh, head and shoulders above the rest. But what mm-hmm. do you think about Mahomes and that plus 650, plus 700 range? I mean, you're making a really strong case. I haven't bet it yet. I get why you're there. Um, and again, I haven't bet any Chiefs. He's all this glowing praise we're heaping on these guys. I haven't bet anything this year. Uh, and it largely comes down to the sequencing of their schedule. Um, they play some amazingly difficult offenses late in the season, and they have a number of uh, games in a row where they're at a rest disadvantage. So it feels like to a degree the, you know, the schedule makers are, are going to test them in the portion of the season where people are really thinking about their awards voting. Uh, and, you know, so it's, you have some high leverage games against Philly, Buffalo and Cincinnati all after week 11. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, if you're beating, if he's getting head to head wins against the other MVP candidates, namely Hertz, uh, Allen and Burrow, then, uh, you know, he runs away with this award. Um, and if he's in competitive games there and if they are, uh, you know, if he's, you know, he would be ostensibly the reason they would get those wins. Uh, so it's, it's, I get it, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna exercise a little bit of patience with these guys and, um, and see if we can't uh, get a better price on them if they are not the one seed in the AFC. Yeah, I think the the other thing with Mahomes, firstly, he's the same price as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Like, there's just no, there's no reason to think that those guys are as good as Mahomes or are going to have as good resumes as Mahomes at the end of the season. The other thing is that I think the reason why is this price is the same reason that Nikola Jokic and Shohei Otani and Connor McDavid are too long to be in every season where there's this kind of built-in notion that there's going to be voter fatigue. There's going to be no voter fatigue about giving Patrick Mahomes MVP again because if he's got the best case, he's going to win. Voter fatigue, I think, sets in with things like Jokic this past year where they didn't want to give him three in a row before he'd even made the finals. Mahomes has two Super Bowl rings. He has two Super Bowl MVPs. He is a made man in the NFL. If he has the best case, then he's going to win. That's one thing, I think, with MVP that makes it a more stable award than, say, Offensive Player of the Year or DPOY even, is that there is so much attention around MVP that everyone's cases are analysed and dissected to within an inch of their lives that you pretty much, across all sports really, you pretty much end up at the most deserving candidate for MVP almost every time unless there are weird outliers like LeBron having the decision, which makes everyone hate him. (laughs) So Derek Rose wins MVP or Jokic being this uh, outlier of, you know, being the most deserving guy three years in a row but never having made the finals. Uh, Mahomes doesn't have to deal with that. Like if he has the best case, he 
is a heavy favourite to win, and I think he's the clear favourite to have the best case. Uh, so that, to me, is the best awards bet on the board uh, in the NFL. Let's go to the Chargers, whose win total is nine and a half, uh, back slightly over. Uh, pretty much pick to make the playoffs, 18 to one to get the one seed, plus 300 to win the West. Uh, every year, I think the Chargers are kind of, they are everyone's favorite sleeper pick to make a run to the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they always pretty much underwhelm, uh, such as their nature. Uh, where do you think the Chargers sit in the AFC? Uh, so I have them outside of the top five. And it's it's an imbalanced roster, which is maybe why I have a tough time really kind of understanding the vision uh, on this team. They're they're pretty, you know, the, the starters are excellent, uh, but they are very, very fragile. Uh, the reserves on this team at every single kind of key area are guys who uh, ultimately, if they're asked to, you know, you know, give you some service time, they're going to hold you back. And that happened to the Chargers last year as they lost Rashawn Slater early in the season. And it was a lot of Storm Norton on them for on the field for them. And, uh, you know, you absolutely kind of unraveled the offense if you have a, a specific weak link like that. And I think, you know, there's the skill position group is, is worth kind of singling out as a, a question mark. I have them only as 18th best unit in the NFL. Uh, the DBs on defense are a bit of an issue for me. The run defense still looks like it could be a question mark as your off-ball linebackers are not especially strong. Um, and, you know, it, it, while you have a couple of splashes here and there, you have a couple of high points. Your offensive line overall is top 10. You have a top six quarterback, maybe top five. Uh, it still is, there's enough, uh, you know, issues with them, health, longevity, availability, uh, that I think, you know, you have to kind of look at the fragile side of things uh, and wonder, you know, are there potential issues coming down the pipe as, you know, they sustain issues and try to navigate, you know, sustain injuries and try to navigate the regular season. Um, the last thing I can kind of point to as to why it's fine, in my opinion, to be a little bit bearish on these guys is, um, I'm still not sold that the coach in Brandon Staley entirely has the, you know, the, the, the concepts needed, uh, to be a successful long-term coach in the NFL. And, um, I, it on paper seems like an upgrade to go from Lombardi to Kellen Moore. Um, but it's been a long time since I got really excited about any of the stuff Kellen Moore was really doing as an offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people that are assuming that this is a big Delta upgrade uh, for an offensive unit, when in reality, there still may be some issues considering the low ceiling of the skill position group overall. So um, I'm buyer beware on the Chargers. I'm not interested in them in the AFC West at three to one. Uh, they do seem to be the only team that consistently tests the Chiefs for whatever reason. Uh, but that just has been covering spreads, not winning games. And so I don't know ultimately that you're going to figure out how to get wins against those teams all of a sudden. So um, favorable schedule. Uh, a lot of coin flips at the end of the season. Uh, so if they are healthy coming down the stretch, I think they're going to be in the playoff mix for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, again, a couple of key injuries could really unravel things, in my opinion, with this team. Yeah. Heroic cover from uh, Herbert and the Chargers early season last year where Herbert had the rib uh, and still comes back with the, with the drive at the death uh, to cover. Uh, I think... The Chargers, I think they're higher variance because they are so dependent on their top guys staying healthy. I think that the questions for them come with, you know, JC Jackson, who was 
uh, a star edition last year and then played really poorly and then got hurt. If he if they don't get anything out of him at the level that they were expecting last year, then all of a sudden the cornerback group looks a little bit grim. The interior of the defensive line it seems like it's just bad every year. Uh, and then they really need Mike Williams and Keenan Allen to stay healthy and to get something out of Quinton Johnston uh, immediately. I think the issue with their offense was just the, just the lack, complete lack of verticality, no uh, three-point shooting, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, but I think the hope comes with Herbert where – Herbert is on the short list of guys where it's very foreseeable that he could just be the best player in football this year. Like that's in the cards for him and his talent level. Uh, obviously, I think that he is a tier below Patrick Mahomes, but I think two years ago, Herbert was the number one quarterback in the league for luck-adjusted EPA per play. He had a 90 PFF grade. And then last year, I think between just dealing with injuries uh, dealing with absences at receiver, dealing with Rashawn Slater going down. I think there are mitigating circumstances that explain why Herbert, uh, who's 9-1 to one to win MVP, why he wasn't uh, as good as he was the year prior. I think if I was going to bet the charges, the one thing that I would is to ride the upside and not bet Herbert 9-1, to one, but instead bet them at 18-1 to one to get the one seed. I think that's a much better bet than Herbert at plus 900. And also, I just don't think it really coheres being plus 300 to win the division, but 18 to 1 to get the one seed, where if you've gone past the Chiefs, you've knocked out your biggest rival, theoretically, for the one seed. Uh, And I don't know. I would have thought that there's more like a 35% chance that they get the one seed if they win the division, that type of range. Uh, So I don't mind 18 to 1. I think there's some 35 to 1 Brandon Staley coach of the year about as well, where if you think that if they get the one seed in the AFC, he's probably about pick against the field. So if you think the 18 to 1 is value, then 35 to 1 is probably value as well for coach of the year. Um, But yeah, it seems like the shine has definitely come off Brandon Staley since he was... Uh, winning games against Cleveland with a slew of fourth down decisions a couple of years ago. But, I mean, what do you think of the Chargers' upside to bet on them at 18-1, to one, one seed? I mean, if they get there, I'd, yeah, they have every realistic expectation of actually getting to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's like the, the, the leverage around the one seed in the AFC this year is kind of mind-blowing. Mind like, whoever gets that one seed is... The path is just it opens up it opens up for you, um, and uh, you know it, it's a scary world to think about. What does the AFC playoff picture look like with the Chiefs lurking as a wild card? <laughs> you know, like like all of a sudden you got uh, Chiefs as you know road favorites maybe at a couple of interesting locations on the way uh, to you know an AFC championship that's not an Arrowhead for the first time in as many years as I can remember um, but the uh, no the the upside I get it um, I just were I, I'm just I'm nervous about what they seem to be tacking into of this you know this attack down the field uh, you know hit the home run you know Herbert's got the arm to do that absolutely with this personnel it's going to be a little tricky uh, with this offensive line, you should have time, but you know, one or two injuries here or there, and all of a sudden, I think we're going to be talking about a, a unit that underachieves week in, week out, and uh, you know, thinking that all of a sudden this 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 group of guys and 
the way that they take care of their players, combine that with a little bit of skepticism about having not really any home field advantage. Um, they got a number of games where they're playing outside in the cold this year, particularly in the end of the season. They're going on the road a handful of times. Travel schedule is not very good for them. Uh, they have a bunch of rest disadvantages. There, there are kind of enough intangible checks on my list of, of reasons to doubt a team that uh, I got to just completely stay away from these guys. Yeah, no, I understand the skepticism there. And the deep shot thing is is weird because um, I asked Austin Eckler about this last year in an interview, like, why, why don't you guys throw down the field more? Just don't understand. Like, that's the popular criticism of the Chargers, but never actually had anyone address it. And he was like, it's not like we don't want to throw down the field. We don't have the players to throw yeah. down the field too. And so the one thing <laughs> is Quentin Johnston in. So that's a lot on him if he didn't have anyone to throw down the field for uh, he said that Jalen Guyton being out was actually a big blow to their offense because he was their one speed guy down the field. But, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird stuff with the Chargers every year. It just feels like uh, Murphy's Law with them uh, every season that something's yeah. going to go wrong from a health perspective. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to say it, but, yeah, they're cursed. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, they're, yeah, they're cursed. Yeah, uh, all right. Speaking of baseball, uh, you can start your Sunday with an AL Central battle in Cleveland. Drew, watch Lewis, Robert, and the White Sox. We'll see what's left of them uh, by Sunday. Take on Jose Ramirez and the Guardians, who are somehow in the mix to win a division. Uh, catch them on MLB Sunday leadoff. Catch the action live and exclusively on Peacock at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on August 6th. Okay. From the Cleveland Guardians to the Denver Broncos uh, in the news plenty lately. Uh, their win total is eight and a half, juiced slightly under. Make miss the playoffs, plus 200 to make, minus 250 to miss, plus 500 to win the division. I would not be touching that. And then 50 to one to win the Super Bowl. Uh, where do you fall on the Broncos? You believe in, in Mr. Payton? Uh, you know, I've gone back and forth on this question in particular five, six times already in this offseason. Uh, gut reaction was, what a coup. Um, you know, probably no greater upgrade on paper at the head coaching position than going from Hackett to Sean Payton. Uh, apparently, Sean Payton knows that. Uh, and he's been telling everyone who will listen that that's the case. But uh, I think that is the reality. I mean, I think that, uh, uh, you know, he's pretty clearly understands how to you know kind of be the chief executive officer on field um that said uh the pieces still don't fit together great at all with this team and so i think in general i'm tempering expectations that there's going to be a big shift in just in terms of overall uh, output um and you know i as again like nothing against vance joseph perfectly fine defensive coordinator probably overachieved like the last couple of years if we're being honest um but i think he's a downgrade from what they were getting last year out of Ajiro evero who i have uh, higher in my defensive coordinator uh rankings and i think overall this is a really really good defense in terms of personnel but uh you're lacking in the pass rush department you're in you're putting a ton of weight and importance expectations on your defensive backfield but it's a really 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 good backfield so they're going to be in games because no team's going to walk into to a game against the Broncos and just throw all over the field on this team. You're going to have hard-fought wins anytime you go against Denver. Uh, and their success on a week-by-week basis is going to be entirely dependent on the offense showing up and giving you something. Right now, I have their offensive personnel ranked 25th as a unit. 
uh, offensive line, huge question mark. And the offensive line, I think, deserves a little bit of the scrutiny for last year's you know regression we saw out of Russell Wilson. Uh, much easier to point the finger at him because he was being compensated so well and performing with so low, you know, far below expectation. But uh, he was under duress early and often. Uh, last year because the offensive line play was subpar uh, and his skill position group right now he's working with is the 29th in the NFL based on my rankings. And, uh, and oh, by the way, Tim Patrick going down today is just a heartbreaker for that guy. Can't seem to catch a, an injury break, but uh, um, that makes a thin unit even thinner. Um, so it's, it's, I, I really don't know that Peyton has the ingredients to work with, to cook up some magic and to turn this thing around in a, in a one year turnaround. Uh, and so I've kind of settled on ultimately being skeptical that he is sort of the guy that is going to have all the answers this year. Um, much more of an easy buy on the Broncos long term that Peyton will get this fixed. But in 2023, for me, it's not going to happen. Yep. Yeah. It's an interesting, I think, test case for how much coaching matters in the NFL, where we've maybe got no cleaner example because it seems pretty clear that Nathaniel Hackett was a bad head coach. And I think it's pretty clear that Sean Payton has been a good head coach. I mean, there's been really fascinating research into like managers in soccer and how there's basically no way to statistically prove that a manager matters in soccer at all. They just think that they do, but there's no way to differentiate between, yeah, you can differentiate between like Pep Guardiola and, and me, but you can't <laughs> differentiate between Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or whatever coaching the same team. It's very difficult to quantify that. Um, so with this, I mean, how much is Sean Payton worth? Is he worth two wins? Is he worth four wins? Is he worth zero wins? Mm. Uh, I think that, and also there's been a fair bit of roster continuity. It's not, obviously there's never total continuity, but I think that's an interesting aspect of this. Uh, starting off with Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons as a cornerback safety one-two punch. That's the best in the league and a good place to start. Uh, offensive line a little bit better. Uh, Patrick going down hurt, so they're probably going to need Marvin Mims Jr. to be useful from the start. Yep. Uh, but then obviously the question is Russ, who I think was potentially not quite as bad in the back end of last year as the perception of him was as a kind of memeable washed up pseudo star like i don't think that all of a sudden he's you know, <laughs> zach wilson was at the end of last season but i think it's perfectly foreseeable that russ could be the 13th best quarterback in the nfl something like that like that seems ballpark so i mean if he is good and solidly above average with that defense they should have an above 500 record but yeah mm -hmm. i think eight and a half is about right yeah. Uh, Russ would be a prime comeback player of the year candidate in a world where Demar Hamlin uh, is not minus 400 uh, to win that award. Patrick Sertan, defensive player of the year, 50 to 1. Mm -hmm. I was actually looking at that because I think he is neck and neck with Sauce Gardner regarded yeah. as the best cornerback in the league. I think he actually won a, he won some sort of poll recently. Yeah. Um, or, or think of, of NFL execs naming him the best cornerback in the league. It doesn't make any sense to me that Sauce is like, 13 to 1 and Satan is 50 to 1. Like they should basically, they should be close to the same price. And if the Broncos have the number one defense and make the playoffs, then Satan is going to be the face of that, I would think. So I don't mind 50 to 1, but you're probably better off just waiting for the season to unfold a little bit. But that's one to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Sean Payton, coach of the year. I mean, the thing we always talk about with this award is being able to 
identify the coaching impact, well, this would be just about the cleanest ever. Uh, if they win the division, then surely Sean Payton will just win coach of the year. Uh, he's 11 to 1. Uh, I, I mean, I, that's longer than their division price. Um, but at the same time, I just don't really believe in this team getting to 12 and 5, which is what they would need to. Yeah. I think that at 12 and 5, I would make Payton favorite over the field for coach of the year at that point uh so again one to monitor he is definitely one to put in the bucket though of if he has the most deserving case then he will absolutely win uh there's no question about that yeah. uh, what do you think of Peyton? yeah i can't can't play it because i just don't think they're going to get enough wins to really get more consideration um in coming up with my my personal rankings, uh, getting the offense to 25th in the NFL. I'm assuming that uh, you have a pretty narrow band around Russ Wilson this year and that he kind of lands in that 12, 13, 14 range. I don't think that there's a ton of upside ceiling to that. And that's you, you would need something significantly above 12, I think, to get enough wins to be in the playoff mix in a crowded AFC. And that would, that's where you have to start the conversation of is Peyton really worthy of this award? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not a great schedule for them, uh, although that's maybe my, my favorite angle on betting the Broncos. I, two home games to start. It's tough to go to mile high in September and perform well. It, it doesn't matter how, you know, with the shortened, you know, off-season training, all that, like, like the, these teams heading there early are in deep trouble. And I'm looking squarely at uh, the Vegas Raiders week one. That line, I would expect, continues to drift out towards a touchdown. Uh, and then week two, Washington heading out there, coming off potentially a win against uh, the uh, Cardinals week one. Uh, they're going to be outside of a field goal. So really nice chance for Denver to start out win-win here, um, which sets up uh, probably one of the most exciting sell highs week three as they go at the Miami Dolphins right from altitude into the smothering humidity of Southern Florida uh, is sort of kind of the classic recipe for a team to just no show. Uh, so if the Dolphins start out a little shaky and uh, you know, they're, you know, that, that, that line is closer to a pick than the current, uh, you know, look ahead of three and a half, then uh, it's going to be fun to lay the wood on the Dolphins week three. Yeah. That feels like <laughs> 13, Dolphins. Uh, let's close out with the Las Vegas Raiders who are, uh, they have a win total of six and a half. It's juiced under. They are 14 to one to have the worst record in the league, plus 400 to make the playoffs, 14 to one uh, as well to win the division. Uh, I think it's probably more likely they have the worst record in the league than they win the division. Uh, and I think where this starts is that they have a quarterback who gets hurt every year and they have nothing behind him. Brian Hoyer is backing up Jimmy Garoppolo. If Garoppolo goes down, then all of a sudden uh, this team just about goes in the tank whether they like it or not, I yeah. think. Uh, do you see any upside for the Raiders? No, that, that, that specific point alone is enough to completely you know, put a line through any kind of optimism with this team this year. I don't know why they went out and got a fragile quarterback. I don't know why they're putting him with this you know, offensive line. Um, I think oh, uh, like fully healthy, they're being a little underrated offensively by market right now. Um, Devontae Adams is amazing. Josh, Josh Jacobs, if he plays, is, you know, is, is a good compliment to uh, you know, that what McDaniels wants to do from a scheme standpoint. Just a horrific defensive personnel 
here to pair with your offense. Uh, I have uh, I have you as a bottom five in defensive backfield, your bottom five in linebacker rating, your bottom five overall in defense. The only bright spot on the entire defensive side of the ball for you is pass rush, and that's really only dragged up by Max Crosby, who's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I don't, you know, you're going to be in shootouts, and as long as you have a healthy quarterback, maybe you are alive in those shootouts, but ultimately I think, uh, you know, your chances of winning as you go through this very, very, very tough schedule uh, start to look uh, few and far between. So, um, yeah, count me out, out, out. And I don't really understand what the vision is here. No, honestly. <laughs> no, seems to be no vision. I think Josh McDaniels is surely the most likely coach to be fired, right? <laughs> as you can bet on that. I would think that he's the clear guy there. Uh, I mean, there's so much individual talent on this team in terms of Devontae Adams, who's got an argument to be the best wide receiver in the game. Josh Jacobs, who I think was the best running back in football last year and won the rushing title. Max Crosby is a top five edge rusher in the league. Tyree Wilson uh, could be good from the get-go. But uh, outside of that, it's largely a mess. And so, yeah, the moment that Garoppolo goes down, then the bottom just falls completely out. Uh, In terms of awards markets... I just, I just, there's just nothing here for me. Max Crosby, 12 to 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that would be a fair price if he played on the Cowboys instead of Michael Parsons, but playing on this team, there's no, there's no path to this group being a top 10 defense. So with guys like Max Crosby, uh, who have the talent, like, I, he kind of has to win. Like, he probably has to break the sack record or come close to doing that to win an award like Defensive Player of the Year. So I think you're just better off betting his over on sacks for the season than, you know, touching something like DPOY. Devontae Adams, 25 to an Offensive Player of the Year. I think he could do it on the Jets. Uh, <laughs> but outside of that, uh, I don't think he's going to do it. Josh Jacobs, 60 to 1. Offensive player of the year, which is kind of offensive for the guy who just won the rushing title, but at the same time kind of warranted because of his team and his current circumstance. Uh, what do you think of 14 to 1 to have the worst record in the league? I think there's too much upside in the skill position group. Uh, if they keep this unit together, they're going to win a couple of games just by getting to 31 before their opponents. <laughs> there's, there's enough upside on the offense here that they, they might be a fris- frisky bet some weeks too where they're catching a whole handful of points uh, like week two maybe at Buffalo. Like if they get if they, if they no-show at the altitude week one, uh, I might be talking you into are we taking seven and a half points here uh, and uh, yeah, cross our fingers. <laughs> yep, indeed. All right, so to close off, my favorite bet in this division uh, by margin is Mahomes at plus 700 MVP. Also, super creative uh, betting Patrick Mahomes win MVP, but I think that is the best play. Uh, what's your favorite angle or bet here? I got, I'll ride with you on that. I I didn't. I have not bet anything so far in this entire division, but uh, that does stand out. Um, and uh, gosh, man, these chiefs schedule to start out if they get the, you know, if they, if they take care of business at Jacksonville, which, you know, they probably will, uh, even though I'm going to make a case to bet the Jags in that spot. Um, I really don't know, you you know, this is like last undefeated team kind of situation here. And at that point, the prices are just going to evaporate on the chiefs. So I think, I think you're going to have to put some chiefs in pocket before the season starts. Yeah. The other thing with Mahomes is, 
like at least for his own personal production, you can look at opposing defenses. It doesn't really matter that much. He's just defense agnostic. Like it just yeah. whatever the defense is, he's going to be able to produce and put up numbers. Obviously, the schedule matters in terms of accumulating wins and getting the one seed. But I just can't imagine. I mean, right now they are uh, plus three hundred to get the one seed, and Mahomes is plus seven hundred to an MVP. <laughs> Telling me Patrick Mahomes is a 50-50 chance to win MVP with the one seed. Like he has to be a clear favourite. That has to be red odds to win MVP. Uh, so I think that is the best play in the AFC West. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe to us if you're listening in podcast form. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.